This episode of Fright Day is brought to you by Spring Heel Jack Coffee. You need great coffee. Jack delivers. Visit springheeljack.coffee. Because you're always twisting that around and yanking I'm on the sorry, cord. Sorry, dude. I don't know what I'm doing. Fright Day, I'm your host Byron. And dolls, small fake humans that have been used for years to keep lonely kids less so. But as technology grows, so does the risk. As AI becomes more advanced, what will your kids teach them? And what will they do with that information? Tonight, as we talk Lars Klevberg's Child's Play. It's a remake. Do you think that's Lars von Trier's... What do you call it? It's not a pen name when you're a director, but like... I doubt you would keep your first name. And (laughs) not everything in the skies of Russia are meteors or radiation clouds. It's the Voronets incident in this week's edition of Kelly's Cryptids and Conspiracies. I'm joined tonight by Kelly. Hello. And Sam. Hey, guys. And I'm free. You're free of Wayne. I feel good. It's almost another life he ruined. It's a sunny day. He almost took my life. He did. That's not fair to say. It's disrespectful to the true victims of a monster. Yes, but it took a toll on you. Yeah, and I feel good. I feel worse for Jamie. Uh, Well, I mean, now I'm a fully attentive partner. Good. And you guys are very nice. We've heard some really, really great things about that Yeah, that's because it was really good. You did a great job. It was a fantastic Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I've already talked about this several times, but I'm happy to hear that some people took my advice not looking up Wayne and spoiling the ending and happy that they did I'm not a true crime person as much as everyone else, but it's really interesting to listen to your stories, Byron, and I love that you find information that a lot of people don't. Oh, wow. And I look forward to the information you're going to find Uh for our Patreon exclusive on the Amityville house yeah, horror. Ronnie DeFeo. True crime. I actually might have a little bit of voice acting for you. I'm ready for it. Are you? Oh, yeah. I've been practicing my Long Island male accent. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, happy to hear that. And oh, you can really, our two and a half year old kind of has a Long Island male accent. So I've just been walking around trying to emulate her a lot. Listening to your daughter for the first time. Yeah. Speaking of daughters, do you know it's what just this Just the week? sound of her voice, not what she's saying. <laughs> do you know right. what this week was? Well, technically it wasn't, but we pretended it was because our kids can't read the calendar yet. So you're insane. We pretended it was summer solstice because we wanted to have a summer solstice fairy party with them while my sisters were in town and they weren't going to be in town for the real solstice. So I don't know if anybody else does this really fun pagan tradition, but you set out little houses, little tables, and you cook little foods, you put them out for the fairies and then they come and they leave glitter and sometimes they leave a prize for the kids who were really nice and left stuff out for them. It's like summer Christmas. Right. And I thought it was kind of cool because leading up to the movie Midsummer that we're going to be watching next week, I was like, okay, that has something to do with solstice, pagan traditions, fun things. So we like spent a whole day constructing things out of popsicle sticks and gluing lavender into a cardboard box for the fairies. About halfway through, the two and a half year old was having a conversation with my mother about fairies. My mother was talking about how small they were. And the two and a half year old, Pukwudgie, was incredibly adamant. She's like, no, they aren't. Wait, what? They're big. They're really big. 
Why does she still talk like that? She's been talking like that since she was born, right? Kids don't necessarily talk when they're born. But somewhere along the way, she has this idea that fairies are very large and somewhat frightening. I guess I need to do a little bit more research. I trust my children on what they know. I imagine she probably has some otherworldly, preternatural understanding of fairies that I have long forgotten since I'm old. Or you have a home invader that goes, shh, I'm the tooth fairy. (laughs) I mean, I really hope that's not the case. Otherwise, my whole thought of how Sam is the guy to be married to if you don't ever want to have to worry about that stuff is shot to hell. But yeah, the fairies did leave some fun stuff. It was great. I don't think they were large because they didn't crush the box. Well, it's funny, bringing up the summer solstice, we actually celebrated it last year by doing that commentary, The Wicker Man, remember? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like how we celebrated. The song's still stuck in my head. And in that egg, there was a bird. From that bird, a feather came. And of that feather was a celebrated this year by doing Amityville commentary. I mean... It's great. Yeah. I listened to all of it. Yeah, you did. I had to. <laughs> of course you. You made me. It was basically it was an audio okay. intervention. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty fun. My favorite parts were the parts where I left to go get something downstairs and Jamie's like, I'm so sorry, Byron. Yeah, she's I'm so sorry. Supportive. See, there's a, a glimpse into our uh, very good relationship. She's so great. great. She's rubbing great. my shoulders. It was good. But I it was good. Yeah, is, that's point, out for patrons yeah, soon. It's part one of our three-part series of Amityville Festivus. Well, I don't think that's what we're sticking with. Christmas in July, Amityville Festivus. That's just bizarre. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff on Patreon, including all the brew content. I know we mentioned it last week, but it is up five episodes of It's Been a Weird Week and two great interviews. So lots of stuff at patreon.com slash Friday. Yeah. Please especially listen to the interview with the Hellier guy. For those of you who listened what or Seth is listening. Well, I'm the Hellier thing was a show that we had talked about a long time ago and a bunch of people weighed in on it. We talk about Seth like every other day. It's true. Which he's great. That's, that's awesome. But I feel like we haven't talked about Hellier quite as much. Maybe no, listen to make sure. both. On the trail of Bigfoot comes out on Amazon prime really it's soon. It's on YouTube for free. Right, right. It's on YouTube now, but it comes out on Amazon prime like sometime this week. Which it wouldn't be a bad time to watch it because... Mm, Big week next week. Yeah. Yeah, we're postponing our Bigfoot coverage. Yeah. Uh, Last week we said it was going to be starting today, but I I think we need a break from the series. Yeah, sometimes we get concerned that we're asking you guys to have really long attention spans. So for a celebration of America, we're going to talk about a Russian UFO today. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Going to do some talking, but did you guys do some watching this week? Uh oh. I guess I'll start while you're thinking because I watched a, a really interesting film that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. Yeah? It's called The Cleaning Lady. This is Shelly. She's doing some house cleaning for me. I was wondering if you would like to stay for dinner. It's always nice to make a new friend. I got burned a long time ago. It was an accident. Thank you for sharing. I know how hard it is to open up about things. There's something else. You look like Barbie. It's just a bunch of makeup, really. Do you ever wear any makeup? What a pretty little thing you are. You look very nice. Perfect. Like you. it about oh this one's spooky it's directed by a guy named john knotts 
There's this young, beautiful love addict who's struggling to end a relationship with a married man, and she finds companionship, mostly distraction, in this, uh, she's basically like a super, or she, she unclogged this lady's drain, horrifically burned, grotesque, but in the moment this lady needed someone to keep her from calling the person she's having this affair with, she decides to be like, hey, do you want to hang out? And they start this little relationship and things really don't go well. Sometimes you have to trust your gut when you're I mean, I'm not saying you should uh, turn away from all physically scarred people, but in this case, this is a this is a very twisted story. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't sound like it's one for me. Maybe. No. 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 But this girl, her character's name is Shelley. She's the kind of antagonist I really enjoy. Not pure evil. Mm. You know, she thinks that she's doing the right thing, but she's not. It's got a really good build, but in the third act, they kind of stalled and relied more on being disturbing than tying a bow on the story. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's out on VOD and DVD now, so... Okay. If you're in the mood for something really kind of fucked up... I mean, I'm not, but some people probably are. Yeah, you know? I'm watching Big Little Lies, so that's good enough for me. Second season's good? Yeah, Meryl Streep's portrayal of a mother-in-law is the stuff that nightmares are made of. Street does everything. Makes me very thankful for my mother-in-law. Sam's pushing a machine with blades on it. Yeah. I mean, it it is scary. It's not as scary as the rototiller, but... He's the lawnmower man. Do you know I've never seen that? Is that any good? No. I haven't either. I've heard it's it's a terrible film, though. Wasn't it a book... Who wrote it? Was that a Clive Barker? Stephen King, I think. It is a King. Oh, well, no wonder it's no good. Okay. The only other thing I watched is something you already talked about last week, but I did watch the first episode of Nosferatu. Speaking of people who were more talented than their parents. You love Joe. I mean, that show's really pretty darn good, and I really like the father-daughter thing in it. How many episodes deep did you get? Just one. Okay. Solamente un. It's a lot of fun. It is. It seems great. I'm excited to watch more of it. I don't think that I watched anything else productive this week. And I apologize for that. Why, why are you apologizing to me? Well, I'm not scolding you. I mean, I feel a bit scolded. <laughs> Tried really hard to find some material to watch on this Russian UFO, but there just isn't a ton out there, so I had to read a lot. It's been a beautiful Ugh. week. You've been out and about. This will be out right around the 4th of July, won't it? Maybe. Happy 4th, everyone. Americans. No, happy to everyone. Uh, so we've heard a lot about Russia in the news lately. We have. But we're not going to talk anything about that stuff. No, but Russia does provide a wealth of stories about UFOs. And I feel like I've only scratched the surface, you know, in the past. After getting some inspiration recently, I feel like I'm going to need to really dive in and be working some more Russian UFO stories into our rotation. We're going to start with one that isn't the oldest, but it's one of the coolest. In this week's edition of Kelly's Cryptids and Conspiracies. Russia is very large. Hold tight. Getting a little. Okay, good. Oh, and there. Patreon.com slash Friday. If you want that noise to go away. I'm pulling Alex Jones on it. We need your help. Russia's a very large country, so there's a lot of sky. Like, Montana's known as the big, big sky, sky country, country, but Russia has a much bigger sky across their country. Yeah. September 27th, 1989, about 6 p.m. in the evening. It was a warm evening in the south Russian town of Verona's, which is about 300 miles southeast of Moscow. For those of you who don't understand Russian geography, because I understand no geography. Also, I'm going to pronounce everything wrong, so everybody just 
you know, you can yell at me for it, but just know that I'm aware of it and I apologize. Oh, that's good. Do it up front. A red ball appeared in the sky or it could have been silver or maybe it was banana shaped, but it was about 10 yards in diameter and it landed in the park. According to most reports, a being or possibly multiple beings, maybe or maybe not accompanied by a robot emerged from the craft. They did have small heads, though. That was a pretty consistent report. Wow. Yeah. What is perhaps most interesting about this incident is that there is a huge abundance of witnesses, but mass conflict and confusion since it happened in a country that loves fake news at a time that might have been the peak for fake news. The widely available story came from the Russian news agency, the official Russian news agency known as TASS, T-A-S-S. That's state-run. It was was state-approved, at least. Specifically, the correspondent Vladimir Lebedev, who really got upset when people didn't take the story more seriously. In order to understand this incident in Russia, I do think we need a little bit of historical context. So again, it's late September 1989 in Russia. One policy that's brand new is the policy of glasnost. And what is the policy of Gloucester? So Sam's the one with a history degree. So we're going to turn to Sam's historical accuracy report. Not making music for that. <laughs> okay, good Works start. Keys. Yeah, just pulling from my memory here. I apologize if this is not accurate. Glasnost was Mikhail Gorbachev's plan to kind of step into the 21st century, be more open, a little freer, embrace of markets somewhat, and hopefully continue the lifespan of the Soviet Union. Perestroika was just one part of that, which was giving more autonomy to the bureaucracy to do what it was tasked to do without constant oversight from the political system. Also, some market-based changes as well that were... It's funny because it was not... They were like, hmm socialism doesn't work Mm -hmm. so if we make it more like capitalism but still call it communism that's like the best of both worlds it didn't work did it because Um, the the ussr USSR collapsed i mean you have to have a command economy for communism to work and it collapsed shortly thereafter so we're in like the dying breaths of the ussr when this happens now sam why would that have an impact on the news industry in russia the soviet union at the time i guess I suspect uh, it would allow more things to make it in if they weren't maintaining such an entirely uh, oppressive presence on the news media. I I think maybe it would leave some more room for nonsense like this. So this whole idea of Glasnost, it had started very recently. Publications were apparently testing the water a little bit, and people differ in their opinions on this. Some people will argue that they're testing the water by publishing more and more that might upset the government, even though it's true. And some people say that they're testing the water by publishing more and more that's blatantly false. Just for shits and giggles, I guess. We are near the end of the Cold War. Sam, what was it like to be a person in Russia near the end of the Cold War? (laughs) I think that depends a lot on who you were. Near the end of the Cold War, my guess is that there was probably a sense of optimism about the downfall of the Communist Party. Also... Probably a lot of national pride loss because residents of the Soviet Union had been told for, you know, at that point since World War II or pre-World War II, the Soviet Union was the culmination of society and economy and um, it, was, it was what man was meant for. Mm-hmm. So there was probably a, a lot of hurt feelings. As, as communism collapsed and the USSR broke apart, you suddenly had people who had not been prepared for market economy other than the, the constant black market that was always a thing thrust into a capitalist economy. There were a lot of 
holes that that left in the average Russian's life, where they had been provided for it a very, I think, um, enough for sustainment, potentially, by the party, now had nothing. Even if it had been terrible before, I think it suddenly got a lot worse for people very soon. So we aren't post-collapse, but but we're bordering it was on, on it. the so, way. Yeah, I mean, it was November 1989. Yeah, so this is in September of 89. So mm. stuff is not looking good. Life's pretty depressing generally. Another argument for these weird stories that we're going to discuss is that perhaps these stories of aliens and other weird creatures came as a welcome distraction. That said, though, up until this point, TASS was known to be pretty darn serious in terms of news. Though, of course, some would say the serious reporting was just as filled with nonsense, but rather was focused on propaganda issues versus three-eyed aliens with pet robots. Actually, around the same time, they did a report on an abominable snowman and another fun extraterrestrial encounter with a milkmaid. We were getting some weird stories in this very short period of time. I mean, anything and a milkmaid is a weird story. It's pretty fun. You know, just to give us some context, I wasn't going to, but it's so fun, I'm going to read it. The newspaper Socialist Industry reported an encounter between a milkmaid in the region of Perm and a cosmic creature that looked like a man but was taller than average with shorter legs. (laughs) Okay. So You know what I think it was? I think it was two children sitting on top of each other. Child sitting on top of another child's shoulder. With a puppy on the second child's shoulder. Well, we'll tell you what happens with it. Last week, another Soviet newspaper declared they had not only an abominable snowman, but that the abominable snowman had been caught stealing apples, and researchers had registered the influence of energies at a site in Perm. A couple weird things going around, but this creature alien who came in and was hanging out with the milkmaid apparently had a conversation with the journalist and the journalist said where are you from the short-legged we're going to call him the corgi man the corgi man said the red star of the constellation of libra is our home the journalist for some reason said can you shift me to your planet and the alien said that will be no return for you and danger for us the journalist asked what danger, and the alien very simply said, thought bacteria. Uh, I mean, is there any chance that there are translation errors? In I would say significant okay. probability. It's funny that it's the red star. I mean, like, that's where we're from is the red star, which is obviously the, the symbol of the Communist Party right. at that time. Which is kind of fun. Yeah, to do. And, and the, the milkmaid would represent kind of the agrarian ideal that the party liked to push forward of, you know, this pretty young woman who was at one with the land and, and loved the animals and Get what real she did allegorical the, up in I here, like, Sam. No, I, I, like the, the, but communist propaganda was very allegorical in nature. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, well, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good twist, Sam. I like it. Right after the event happened, the official story from the Russian government by way of the Russian news agency, like we talked about came out and we're going to talk first about that version of events. So even though the incident supposedly occurred on the 27th of September, the first report ran on October 9th. Here's a translated excerpt from the original report. Tall, three-eyed aliens with small heads showed up in the city of Verona's, arriving in a shiny ball, or alternately, a banana-shaped object, and bringing with them their robot. Scientists have confirmed that an unidentified flying object recently landed in a park in the Russian city of Verona's. Hmm. So this was an Associated Press translation of the report. Okay. They've also identified the landing site and found traces of aliens who made a short promenade about the park. They left behind them two pieces of unidentified rocks made of a substance that cannot be found on Earth. 
Now, about the same time, the New York Times picked up on it because it was interesting, right? Yeah. And again, like suddenly we're getting more news out of Russia after a long time when we didn't. So I would imagine the American press is also interested in what's going on in Russia. means when the Iron Curtain fell? Yes. Yes. Why didn't, was it lifted or did it fall? I don't know. I don't think it matters. Did the curtain lift? Lift? I don't know. I don't know either. It's a dumb metaphor. Maybe it parted. Yeah, only your metaphors are good? Okay. So here's the New York Times. The aliens seem to communicate with each other, producing the mysterious appearance of a shining triangle, and they activated the robot with a touch. And he said, Danger Will Robinson! I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like. Wait until how much it's going to sound like that when I give you a few more details. Terrified, a boy began to scream, but with a stare of the alien's shining eyes, the boy was silenced and paralyzed. After a brief disappearance, the three returned, but this time one of the humanoids had what looked like a gun by his side. A tube. This sounds like the people that hang out in our parks around here, like honestly. It's true. A tube about two feet long. The robot usually is just, he's got silver face from huffing paint. And it directed the tube at a 16-year-old boy. The boy whose name was not given in the report promptly vanished, but reappeared after the aliens embarked in the ball. All right, so or banana. <laughs> Vladimir Moisev, director of the regional health department, said in a telephone interview that despite reports of widespread fear in the city, none of the witnesses had applied for medical help. But he said that certainly we are planning to examine the children. There is no explanation why, with the passing of two weeks, such an examination had not yet taken place. The report was nonetheless treated seriously. Okay. And this was AP. Yeah. Well, it's AP covering basically the Russian version of AP, right? So they're translating it, but they aren't on the ground doing investigation of this. It's news. Correct. Real news. Real news. Real news. Real fake Hmm. news. Okay. I actually hate the phrase fake news so much. I can't believe I've used it like three times. Okay. Oh, God. Well, the editors of TASS and a lot of its readers, they were reporting this as a serious thing that happened, a scientific phenomenon even. No extra men are assigned to patrol the area because the department shorthanded and the duty officer at the local interior ministry department who identified himself only by his last name, Lauren, said his troops would be dispatched if they appear again. All we're getting at this point, because keep in mind, though 1989 doesn't sound that long ago to an old person like me, it may as well have been a million years ago because there was no way to get the information quickly. It really was stuck there. And if not for one valiant gentleman, we would not have further reports to supplement this. You're not talking about valiant Thor. No, but you know what's really funny? The article, and I I don't know, it must have just been a joke pen name, but the article that I'm going to refer to was written by valiant Thor. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know Val Thor was a. I don't author think it's well. him. I don't think it's him. I don't think he's much of a journalist so much as he is a yeah. handsome, handsome man, and that takes up all his time. So more and more details started to emerge as time went on. It was like the story added, let's say, just some flair. Oh. And this could be because information was slowly finding its way out and people were being interviewed, or it could be because it's all BS. But I'm going to give you some of those details. The story turned from one sighting into three different landings that happened between September 23rd and September 29th. Mr. Lebdev said that, again, he had another witness. Someone doing wheelies outside. I'm really sorry. He had another witness, this time the head of the Verona's geophysical laboratory. He asked the kids who had witnessed it to draw what they had seen, and the drawings appeared to be similar. We do have some of those drawings in the show notes of this episode of Friday.com, of course. Even though the children didn't know each other, they all drew... Oh, geez, guys, we cannot put those on a t-shirt. Stupid kids. Those are terrible. We we could. I think they're good. 
And this is the one thing that we can talk about in terms of a source for this information if the kids really did report it and it was fake. There was a banana-shaped object that they all described. And apparently there was some American magazine called Saga that had run a UFO of similar appearance in 1976. Even though it was no longer in print, there is some slight chance that it found its way into the Soviet Union and the kids saw this, but that's it was a 10 bit of years a, before and these were children. They would yeah. have not even been born. Yeah, this is a, it's a bit of a stretch. And our reporter, Mr. Lebedev, said, okay, well, I didn't see them myself. I did see the, the object in the sky. And when I went to the site, there were traces. I could see holes of a clear shape that resembled the footprints of an elephant. Um. He said his reports would continue and boy, did they. A few days later, Lebedev added, they were wearing silvery overalls and bronze boots. And for me, that was kind of a turning point in my investigation of this story, because I'm like, it's from Lost in Space. It's just bad. He's made of metals. Mind by the party. <laughs> oh my god, it's bad. One of the witnesses was Lieutenant Sergei Matveyev of the Verona's District Police Station. He saw the landing and again didn't see the beings himself, but he was very adamant. It was not an optical illusion. It was certainly a body flying in the sky, moving noiselessly at a very high speed and a low altitude. Anything is possible. Apparently, the lieutenant was pretty skeptical when he saw it himself, at least at first. He said, I thought I must be really tired, but I rubbed my eyes and it didn't go away. So I don't know if that happens to you, but sometimes you rub your eyes and if it doesn't go away, then it's real. The kiddos, two boys and a girl from a local school, and we did have their names, although down the road, the report changed, and it may not have been actually these three kids. Vasya Surin, Zenya Blinov, and Zulia Shulokova. Yep. Those are definitely sounds. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, the only way we heard about the other opinion is through an interesting gentleman that we've danced around numerous times in KCC reports, but never covered in depth. One day we will. Good old Jacques Vallée. Ooh, he's a complicated man. He is a very complicated man. He would have you think so. Good old Jacques saw the story come across the wire shortly after it happened, but things weren't adding up. He found out that it had been investigated by something called biolocation. Now, does anybody want to take a guess at what biolocation is? That's right, it's dousing rods. Oh, so no. that's how they had investigated it originally. And he decided he really needed to go over and check this out. But even though Russia was starting to get a little bit easier to visit, it still took a while for Jacques to make this happen. And he eventually made it there. He stayed in Moscow because it would have taken 10 hours by train to get to Verona's, which I don't think is a really good excuse in my book. So I'm not really sure why he stayed. Sounds like a lazy investigator. Well, maybe. But all of the witnesses brought the stuff to him. They brought their film, records, and drawings. He said he spent the whole day with them, and it was clear that what had been reported in both the Western and Russian press was only the tip of the iceberg. There were many sightings in Verona's. There was not one, but several. So again, this goes back to the subsequent stories reported by Tass saying, okay, actually, there were three sightings that happened, and perhaps even more. The witnesses in the close encounters were kids, but Jacques said they were not little kids. They were 17, 18, and 19 years old. And that they were very. Jacques is also kind of the grandfather of this bullshit. You stop it. They were very articulate teenagers. He watched how the interviews had gone with them, and he saw the site on television. He regretted not actually going there, but in the interview that he gave afterwards, he said, "At least we had a chance to talk to the people who had been involved in the investigations." 
There were many other cases in Verona's. There was a total of at least 1,000 witnesses between the different cases. It's a large city. He says over a million inhabitants. My understanding was it was right around 800,000 at the time, but I could be wrong. Now, here's where it gets interesting and starts getting a little bit more credibility back for me. It has a nuclear power plant and aviation factory. It's a pretty large industrial center. And some of the stories involved, you know, these objects coming close and possibly close to the nuclear facility. Which, of course, we know that UFOs hate those. Yeah, they're always trying to stop us, which I don't blame them. They need our sweet meat. One of the gentlemen that Jacques was interviewing actually got a phone call during the interview and had to step away and came back. And it had been a call about a case where an object came close to the ground and a beam came from the object and melted the asphalt in the parking lot of the nuclear power plant. So I don't know if that was a, just a like bean? a beam. Oh, that's just a I mean, I wish it was a beam. The other thing that Jacques obviously asked was the three eyes, because that is not common to the reports that we hear about UFOs and aliens, right? Apparently, all the people he interviewed laughed and said, well, some of the witnesses said they saw beings with three eyes, but most said they saw beings with two eyes, a third thing in the middle of the forehead that was some kind of a device. They weren't close enough to be able to tell exactly what it was. All they could see were three kinds of openings. Hey, sweetie, what's up? Okay, just go maybe on the other side of the room while it's on, okay? What are they watching? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, you've heard us talk about coffee in general. And if you don't just skip over the ads, you've heard that same one far too many times. I apologize. But you don't need Sam's fancy worded ad copy to convince you that Spring Hill Jack coffee is damn good. You just need to try it. That's it. I could remind you that it's roasted in small batches by some great folks in Ohio who have been endlessly supportive of our show, but once you brew one of their unique blends and put it down your throat, it'll be too late. A caffeinated curse will damn you in the best way, and their beans will bond with what's left of your soul, causing you to click add to cart at springheeljack.coffee or amazon.com on a regular basis until you're just bones. And if you stop, which you won't want to anyway, Well, you've seen Chernobyl. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Thanks, Alex and Steve at Spring Hill Jack. You're great, but your coffee is better. Springhilljack.coffee. We certainly didn't know what they were, but the pattern of observations were very similar to what he had seen in other parts of the world. It wasn't necessarily different than what had been investigated by Jacques in South America. I don't know if you guys have talked no, we, looked I mean, at that ever, but um, there were some... He's still alive. Is he? He's really? 79. Okay. That's all? I feel like he should be 127. But I can't find any contact information. Well, find it. Get to it. Yeah. Sam speaks French. Again, similar confusion. That's a lie. Unput. Everyone jumps to their own interpretations. There are skeptics, there are crackpots, and everybody has their own explanation for what's going on. Jacques said he had no doubt in his mind that these witnesses had actually seen something. As the original reports said, there was a description of the UFOs that was pretty concrete. Jacques said that it reminded him of Brazilian cases that he was used to. Not only were they describing different types of beings, but there was a lot of weird detail added onto them. And he said he could find cases like that in the U.S. too, but we don't give them much attention so they don't stay on our radar of, you know, like very famous UFO cases. 
He said, you have to take into consideration that in this country, we have been bombarded in the last few years with a lot of marketing imagery, starting with the cover of Communion and the drawings made by people studied by Bud Hopkins, which have tended to create the impression that there are only a couple of major types of aliens. That's not, in fact, what people have been reporting. So he's arguing that this wasn't made up, but rather this is a more accurate interpretation of the UFO alien diversity that we get Which in terms I, he, of visitation. He's a huge proponent for that. Yes. The idea of like a UFO having a door open and a humanoid coming out. Right. Is there a little bit more nuanced than that? I agree. More like psychic phenomena. And he thinks that it's a specifically American tendency to go towards the extraterrestrial hypothesis instead of interdimensional or he brings in the idea about it being something completely different from that even perhaps it's Mm -hmm. a spiritual being perhaps it's who knows. Jacques also in this interview got into a little bit about the rift between European ufology and American ufology. He says he's part of both so he's caught kind of between the two camps American ufology wants to talk about the UFOs are here. He says they're extraterrestrial interplanetary visitors that use nuts and bolts spacecraft. They come here and learn and the government is hiding them. But that certainly is not the approach taken by most of the British, French, Italian ufologists. Reading up on the different ufologists is very interesting because I think in some ways it reflects what's going on in our communities. I don't know, even like Sam's stupid allegory slash metaphor that he used earlier. It does show that maybe some of this is happening, but people are filling in blanks with what is at the top of their mind, what is comfortable to them, mm-hmm. etc. Looking at the picture, I want everybody to open up the picture that was published about a year and a half ago in The Sun that supposedly showed the football-shaped UFO from this specific incident and it'll be in the show notes of this episode of bright day i would like somebody to describe to me what's going on like is that supposed to be gumby oh man oh man i just uh is are we looking at the same thing here yeah why do you think that looks like a gumby it looks like a gumby that's like holding on to the steering wheel and his head's coming up and his legs are pointing down He's got his arms out and he's holding on to the steering wheel. Wait, what part You're are you a crazy you person. looking at? I'm looking You're at, looking at this thing over here? I'm looking at this. See, look, at there's Gumby's head. There's his arms sticking out. First of all, no one at home so, above the age of what? They're describing this as being, oh, we see this UFO with the three-eyed alien inside. Yeah, I'm just saying Gumby is not a good thing to reference. Well, not no Gumby. Ch- no. This is a circle, with, it's a circle with a curved line and then almost a straight line at an angle. Yeah, but why? What? Is, is that like a racing stripe on it? What is that? It looks like an error in a film camera. It's very annoying. And you're looking at the inverse image for some reason. There are some deep analyses of these photos. Again, know, we'll put in the show notes of this episode that. of Friday.com. Well, I think to show that even when you pixelate it in super far... But why it are they look flipping like the colors altered? for some reason? Oh, that that I can't explain. Because this is how it is. It's a daytime image, and everything that they're zooming in on has been inverted. Oh, God, that's really confusing. Yeah, because you see all, however, all the trees are white down here now. It's weird. I don't know what this is. I would love to hear input from anyone. Oh, I mean, I can't say that, but it does seem a bit strange. So there are other russian stories that carry a ton of weight especially in the context of general understanding about ufos and what has led to government being involved and perhaps having a little more credibility i am not sure that this is one of them and i will say after the research i'm pretty sure one of two things happened either a Something landed and the government immediately took control of the story, making it extremely difficult for the root truth to be taken seriously. 
or the entire thing is made up to discredit any previous or subsequent UFO reports from the country. All of the interviews that were done with this journalist and, you know, I think it indicates that it would be silly for this to be only a weird propaganda, hey, let's see what kind of a crazy story we could write type of thing because there were enough people who witnessed it and talked about it. So I don't think it's a made up thing. But if it is, it could have been made up to discredit any UFO reports because there were a lot going on at this time. Late 70s, all the way through the 80s, really, we were seeing some pretty crazy things over this area. Perhaps the less they had to be honest about it, the better. Now, in terms of the theory that this might be entirely made up to discredit any previous or subsequent UFO reports from the country, there was a sighting about 10 days earlier of a UFO and 10 to 12 young people reported it It sounds much less preposterous than this one, okay? And perhaps this was real, and this story was just thrown in real quickly to obliterate the legitimacy of that one. I mean, when it comes to disinformation, Russian media, and UFOs, we've got so many questionable variables at play it is really difficult to get to the bottom of this one however i do know that some of our listeners have spent time in russia and i know that some of our listeners are in russia very few but a handful a handful i would really love to know if anybody has any first hand second hand third hand hell even fourth hand experience with this situation because down the road when i get into some of the other russian incidents it's always nice to have a clear understanding of the constellation or at least a broad constellation of what happened over there and continues to happen with the ufo sightings so verona's i think you know kelly's gonna put her rare stamp of most likely a hoax slash disinformation campaign on this one well i gotta say i'm pretty sold i mean honestly the boots and silver overalls kind of did it guys i think this is a real one i mean we have a photo we have (laughs) firsthand eyewitness accounts yeah, I'm going to say that this is confirmed. Two against one. I'm sorry. You. It's okay, but I am the captain. So Keep an open mind, Kelly. Yeah, I am the captain, which my daughter now announces to people. Makes oh, me really happy. All right. it's, it's Do you know my mom's a every... captain? Well, th- my mom's a captain. <laughs> Super embarrassing for everybody. Also, stole, Not embarrassing stolen for me. valor. Yeah. Oh, my God. I should call them. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for that You're report. You're so welcome. Uh, interesting little event. And I mean, yeah, it kind of opened the door to a lot of UFO incidents that we weren't really familiar with. Yeah. To me, it kind of sounds like somebody just watched a really bad B-movie alien flick from like 1961. And this happened to be something that was like Plan 9 from Outer Space or something like that. So that's that, you guys. Everybody, I hope you're ramping up because we are getting hot and heavy under some Bigfoot fur for the next few weeks. Well, I don't know. So much Bigfoot. Uh-huh. So what was the, what was the name of that robot in Lost in Space? Oh, God. I don't know. Great example of early artificial intelligence. Oh, it was far yeah. less cute than a, a buddy doll. Very protective though. Far safer than a buddy doll. Well, I guess we'll have to talk about that. Reviewing the remake of Child's Play. you're enjoying your visit here this evening now on with the show child's play is a 
2019 American horror remake directed by Lars Kevberg. Von Trier. Come on, Kelly. Um, Written by Tyler Burton Smith. Sam, could you share a little bit about this film? I will. This is some stuff you're not going to be familiar with, so this is a little bit longer than we normally do. Okay, what do we got? A mother gives her 13-year-old son a toy doll for his birthday, unaware of its more sinister nature. That was going to be long. Like I, I cut a bunch of the stuff for time. Oh, and I had a yeah. premonition that you were going to cut I, it. I guess. So that's what happened that there. Makes a lot of sense. Here's like, the thing. We don't. We don't actually one. record these in order. No. We do the scenes. I've hey, got, just like movies, well, right? Ever since you guys separated, I just record two different podcasts. I appreciate to... you keeping that under wraps for us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll the edit family it Family doesn't know yet, and oh, some of them listen to the podcast. Kelly's actually a deep fake right now. Has been for about, what, two years? It's a deep fake. Oh, right. We'll talk about that. You know, that seems like something you might want to do for a KCC one of these days. Child's Play, does anyone have a, a history with the 1988 film? I have a history of not watching it. <sighs> I think it's been on. I don't think I've watched it. I mean, I've watched... I, th- I think I've watched the whole thing over, you know, a period of time, but it certainly is not my, I don't have any like childhood emotional attachment to it. I know a lot of people do because yeah. a lot of people, this was one of the first horror movies they watched. This was always on my do not watch list. What made it uh, on that list? I think the swearing. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, if I were to say that, it you definitely wasn't the violence. Yeah, you make my you know, job difficult. But my parents tried really hard to make it so I didn't. They just failed with that piece of my upbringing. Well, was the original rated R? I know they kind of ramped up that sort of oh, yeah. character. I think so. They were mean. I mean, yeah. they were, I enjoyed them. I mean, they're not scary. It's a doll. It's just not that scary. It's a doll. But they were very mean spirited. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that about them. I also Speaking, think like the punk ass kids, my parents were really not a fan Speaking of. Speaking of spirits though, big difference between this one and the uh, original. Yeah. I think we should probably talk about yeah, that a little bit. It's you all guys over. can talk more about that than I can. The only difference that I can speak to clearly is that this is AI. Yeah, that's the difference. Oh, okay. I In, thought you were talking about something big. Okay. No, it is big. It's a huge difference. It's the entire origin of the story. Okay. I mean, in the original, it was Charles Lee Ray. He was a serial killer. He's being chased by a detective in Chicago, and he gets killed, and his soul goes inside of a doll. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Didn't know that. And that's how it kicks off. And in this one... There's just a disgruntled employee at a factory. Yeah. And he ends up removing some code, which it's funny that like the baseline structure of this buddy doll is violent and cares not about anything. Well, it's not. I mean, he... It's, I guess he turns up like, the aggression, uh, right? I think that's Asimov's law of robotry or whatever. They're indifferent. Like, well, the things that you can't do like the, a robot should never be able to do these things and that's like entered our culture like it should always have these constraints against taking human life i don't know i don't even know what they are i think it's funny that that is carried over to chucky like those are the brakes are on but he's essentially a blank canvas mm-hmm. when this starts a robot may not injure a human being and through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. A robot must protect its own existence as long as the protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Hmm. So if you're an unhappy robot, you can't end it. Interesting. That seems cruel and unusual. This, I think, would be the point where someone may turn off 
you remove the Charles Lee Ray character. You make Chucky not a serial killer. You make him something completely different. You make him Luke Skywalker. Uh, well, he's voiced by Mark Hamill, which is pretty incredible. Who I think you will most likely know as um, the voice of the Joker in the Batman animated series. I mean, honestly, he is the best Joker. Yeah, apparently he does a ton of voice work, which I didn't know until I was looking into really? this. Sam and I were talking yeah. about it a bit more. And I have to say, this concept switch did kind of shake me for a second, but... They hooked me right back. Yeah, it's different. I mean, I think it was a good choice. And again, there's nothing subtle about this movie at no. all. There's There are no nuances to this movie and very deliberately went that route. But any analysis that we offer is not like, whoa, man, these guys must have really sat down and thought about this. Uh-huh. It's all right there on the top. It's dumb. It's fun. And it's yeah. mean above Ex- all. It else. is. And I really like that. But yeah, it's um, this idea that we're increasingly reliant on technology which has you know been a, a trope in scary things alexa tell sam to shut up i'm sorry byron i can't let you do that uh, although i wish that we could get a mark hamill voice oh, on man. any of our but you know i mean it's there for all of us now it's like the internet of things and all that that entails you're you're ceding control to something that if it decides not to work isn't going to work and if it decides to kill you I mean, if it has that power, it's going to kill you. It is. This is true. So I really didn't like that the kid immediately told his mother she looked like Well, she didn't look great. And this lady... I thought that was really mean. Aubrey Plaza. I mean, come on. It's Aubrey. At worst, she looked okay. Hey there. Watch yourself. She's a professional actress. She's lovely. Uh, Plays Karen Barclay. And this is interesting. In the description, it says Andy's widowed single mother, who... Yeah, uh, which I, I mean, didn't. I didn't pick. It's up. hinted at, and then there are definitely some like outward things. Yeah. There's a scene where you can see that she's wearing uh, mm. a wedding ring on a, a on a necklace, okay. and still wearing her own wedding ring. Also, interesting. And Andy, her son, is played by a guy named Gabriel Bateman, who I think looks exactly like a mini Ansel Elgort. Oh, Baby Driver, the guy from Baby oh, Driver. Yeah. I kept seeing his I face totally with us as a child. And, and you want to hear what I brought up right before we started? This was weird. So because I'm not familiar with the original, I was like, so did the kid in the original have a hearing aid i just thought that was such a weird plot piece and i go no but baby driver did bam holy cow yeah so the takeaway guys much like the wine kelly episode recently <laughs> chris christopherson is james brolin and baby driver is andy and the, no the takeaway it. from that wine kelly is don't give us your patreon money <laughs> I, I hope no one <laughs> took that away but i wouldn't be surprised if they did it's a lot of fun and there's gonna be great content coming out soon and Thank you for... Oh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, This director, though, before we move too far away from that, interesting story. It's about time this guy got a film out. He's a Norwegian director, Lars Kelvberg. A few years ago, there was a film that was scheduled for us to cover. It was a film called Polaroid. I think it was supposed to come out in 2017. Okay. I think think it was a Weinstein picture. It was one of the last Weinsteins before all the crazy stuff happened. I can't remember what exactly happened. Well, until he got caught for all the crazy stuff. Yes, he was doing very horrendous things. And this movie got stuck in limbo. They kind of continually did that. Almost the same thing that happens when your plane gets delayed and they're like, it'll just be another 30 minutes. It'll just be another 30 minutes. Yeah, just tell us. Worst. I mean, I I worked in the airline industry for three years. I hated doing that. Yeah, they continually pushed back this film. Did I say it's called Polaroid yet? You did. Pushed it back and back and back. And then eventually it got acquired through the bankruptcy of the Weinstein company. 
and it apparently is going to come out this year. Really? Maybe. I don't believe them at all. I think we're switching planes. I think this one's broken. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll come out, but it's great that this guy had a, a wide release film because he's obviously very talented. I think he's got a really good eye. I, I totally agree. As silly as the premise is, and as many times as we've seen iterations of the idea of sentient machines Mm -hmm. you know computer systems or synthetic intelligence it looks great and it's fun it sounds great it's shot very well i mean like i think much better than the original child's play movies or you know one through seven or whatever they were i don't know bride was pretty good it was but i could listen to jennifer tilly talk all day but you're right it looks better than any chucky movie i've seen well, let's talk about the doll design. How do you feel about that? I thought it was fine. I, to be honest, I just didn't pay attention to it much after a while. It was creepy looking. It's interesting because part of the reason I think the original Child's Play movies are not scary. They're fun, but they're not scary is because mm-hmm. he's a doll and he is kind of relegated to the contrivances that he can personally make happen. We were just watching a clip like over and over of scaring someone until he steps in front of in, into traffic and gets exploded. Oh yeah, from Bride of Chucky. Exactly. And so this kind of rolls it out into more of a, I guess almost a Westworld vibe mm-hmm. where you have Patient Zero basically of the robot revolution. Yeah. And so he it's has iRobot. Yeah, iRobot. Exactly. I don't. It's not a good one. No, um, hey, I don't know about that. <laughs> don't agree with me. But but Chucky has access. This Chucky has access to all of the conveniences of modern technology, whether it's networked thermostats or the driverless rideshare cars that are you know in use in some places. Yeah. So this all, is movie all Caslin is product. Caslin, yeah. Which is take your pick is is Apple or Google or Amazon. I mean, Terminator is is the immediate example. They reference it knowingly in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the best example of a modern movie dealing with potential dystopian machine-dominated future. It's it's in the future in Terminator. It's not our future now, but I think that's a trend with any of these technology gone wrong movies. Is whether it's Chopping Mall, you know, it's in in the near future. Yeah. But this, all these things that go wrong, we live with every day. Like you don't think twice when you walk by a Nest thermostat. Like yeah, sure, someone's controlling that yeah, from somewhere. Do you think this world is us now, or is it a slightly different us? Is it a slightly different universe? Because it it feels a little bit more than where we're at now. And honestly, the city, I couldn't really place where we were. And they were careful um, because the the license plates, the few times we had a chance to see license plates, they were kind of obscured and they weren't ones that I recognized, which doesn't mean anything. I kind of like that, though. I I I like that it didn't really identify itself as anything in particular because it felt a little bit more... um, Universal? Yeah. And also just a a little, I don't want to say surreal, but But like a little... a little different, yeah. Oh my God! Um, Did you know that there is a theory that the doll is based on Donald Trump visually? Wait, well, I mean, I guess I could see it, but wow, huh? That's interesting. Uh, no, I, I I think that the only stretch here was was Chucky himself, even as unpossessed Chucky. So the buddy doll, we just don't have that level of consumer robotics available. Of, you know, like facial expressions and things like that. But everything else here are things that we use and enjoy and also have dark sides. And, and one of my big examples of that, I think, is there are drones in this movie. I love what drones have done for independent movies. Yeah. Yep. Everyone's got a great opening shot now. Yeah. And, and there's there's really cool applications 
of, of drones, you know, public safety stuff like mapping fires, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But there's the obvious, the surveillance, the creepy neighbor. There, there's the downside so, to yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes people put blades on the blades. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so, that's no fun for anyone. So they pick these things that, again, aren't like you're not touching some primordial fear that we're not even sure we're afraid of. These are like things that we have that are all around us that we think about to some degree every day whether it's you know just thinking about using it or um so it's good commentary but it's not as heavy-handed as it could have been which i think i enjoy me too it is taking in some pretty serious social thoughts but also just having such a fucking good time with it it really is i i yeah it's a blast the kills in this movie make it for me which is a weird the thing kills for were me fun. to say you had yeah, they were crazy fun. With me. <laughs> this movie was not something that i was super dreading or super looking forward to again because i just don't have a connection to the original hated the kid at first i'm like really they're gonna make this kid that awful and then he andy sorry and then andy confused with uh the other andy that's in theaters right now in toy story 4 oh i love that andy you really did drop a lot of toys at the same time annabelle whatever although i heard that's the best annabelle really yeah why did they just dump it they should have made the the l's they should have given it three l's and annabelle and made it like roman numeral threes but except like bloody streaks oh that's really good i don't really think that that was good actually um i love you so I kind of feel as though this movie surprised me because I went in with such low expectations sure. and no attachment. You know what I mean? I'm pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Kills were good. Didn't like Andy at first. He grew on me. How about Aubrey Plaza as a mom? So that's the only part I can say I'm a little bit disappointed in because I love her. I think she's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And maybe the script just didn't play to her hilarity enough, but I didn't think that... She wasn't funny at all. No. like I thought she was I thought she was a great mom. She was trying so hard. No, she wasn't. She was hooking up with a complete D-bag so, and like hooking up at the time that Andy's supposed to be walking home. Dude, be a better mom. Juliet Lewis or Aubrey Plaza as a mom. Juliet Lewis. Okay. 10 out of 10. They're both working horrible jobs. Yes, but Juliet Lewis was a much better mother while working a horrible wow, it's job. it's funny. There's a lot of parallels between Ma and Child's Play. New in town, trying to get friends, parents working awful jobs. Yeah. You know what else I wanted to touch on in this movie? In between the mean stuff. Mm. And in this case, it was... But people got their comeuppance. So it was either like people getting what they deserved. Yeah. Or it was like our heroes being under attack. It wasn't necessarily like... Final Destination, sure. where you have people that are just getting mm. killed because they happen to be there. I don't know how to describe it. It's not like... Yeah, well, I, I think that seems like a formula for a crowd-pleasing kill. Yeah, I, I agree. And there was very much a kids on bikes air to this that the previous installments did not have. Yeah. And I thought that was great. They were just kids, and I thought they, they did a very good job. They did a good job handling that, too, because they didn't lean so heavily into it that it was like an obvious pandering to the popularity of films like It and Stranger Things. Yeah, I could totally see that. Like, for a, for a second, I was like, ah, oh, they didn't give enough backstory to these kids, but also it doesn't matter. They're no. not super important. This is not a staggering work of immortality cinema it's not but i did really really enjoy detective mike who's played <sighs> so much brian tyree henry who a lot of people would know from the series atlanta he plays you really do it. Pa- really he's paper boy and apparently he's in spider-man into the spider-verse oh he plays as a voice jefferson davis oh okay i love this guy he just is one of those people who you're always gonna like him i i am totally with you one of my only kind of gripes with this film is he was an important character but he was definitely a, like a secondary character a little underutilized he was and i i definitely think that they could have done a little better with 
you know, some more colors of the rainbow. In the- I, yeah, very I true. I, maybe there's something on the cutting room floor here, but I think his character when he was on screen was really great. But yeah. I agree. It was a little bit. Detective Mike's mother. The one who got an imaginary chauffeur. That was kind of humorous. And I feel really mean those are saying coming. that, but it was you, really hilarious. Those are coming. They're, know, they're yeah. actually already testing. Like, yeah, 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 whatevs. Carly's Burke, as Detective Mike's mother, Doreen. Doreen lives down the, the hall from her protagonists. Mm-hmm. She was great. Again, I, I am not a person. Clearly, I think people know who and what I am to comment on these types of things. But I felt like she was more interesting, even though she was kind of a bit role mm-hmm. um, than a lot of people of color are the roles that they're given in, in horror sometimes, especially in Child's Play's original era. Traditionally, yeah. I just, again, I think that she could have been a bigger part and absolutely Detective Mike could have been a, a bigger part. I, he was one of my favorite characters and I really like some of the early interaction between he and Andy and I wish that they would have done more with that because I enjoyed that too. Well, I mean, how long was this thing? Hour and 20 minutes? 90 minutes, exactly. So there was a lot on the cutting room floor. That's clearly. my guess. But that's uh, okay. Mark Hamill. So this was a game I, I started playing like immediately. I would imagine... Mark Hamill as Chucky like I would I would remove Chucky and put Mark Hamill into what he was doing okay and there's a scene where Andy wakes up in the middle of the night and Chucky's just sitting there on the edge of the bed just like staring at him you know this is early in before things get creepy and he just says some kind of like really not evil but just like super creepy things and I just imagine Mark Hamill crouched there in a little kid's bed saying those things and it's really funny that's not a fun thing to imagine don't I am so glad I watched this movie without you it's kind of interesting though at that point Chucky as a doll was almost like a puppy he was very much again it's not subtle commentary but maybe it's slightly less on the surface than everything else Uh, Andy and his friends are watching a horror movie it's very violent which one it was no at first I thought that it was Texas Chainsaw but then it definitely wasn't I think it was one of them though wasn't it I don't know oh no 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 you know what it was it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 oh I think so with Bill Mosley they're making chili yeah Chop top. That would make more sense than why I was like, what's that? That was, I think, a, a fun uh, sort of meta thing about these kids watching this horror movie. And, you know, obviously, normie culture is like, wow, well, you know, these dark things twist kids. And then it did exactly that I to Chucky. It. Yeah. Because like, he was a blank canvas. He was watching these horror movies and saw how much people were in- enjoying them. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, horror was directly responsible for Chucky becoming a nightmare. Unless you're an AI who's been dropped onto this planet and has no context for anything. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I think. It was more of a like a wink and a nod at that demographic rather than an actual statement that these kind of movies cause harm. Lots of jibs, lots of blood. Oh, it's so mean and so fun. And all to the tune of uh, Bear McCreary stuff. He's been doing so much, uh, so much horror. And Chillerama. I mean, yeah, he did the soundtrack to Cloverfield Paradox, Happy Death Day to You, Godzilla, King of Monsters, and that movie on Netflix, Rim of the World, that you've been wanting us to cover. I thought it was really fun. Yes. It's not a horror thing, but. And it was bad. Busy guy. I, I really like his work a lot. So it's good to see him in this. Orion Pictures, we didn't mention, they're kind of knocking it out of the park these days. I agree. But yeah, I mean, Chucky, this uh, this surprised the heck out of me. 
Buddy is a monster, but it's not necessarily his fault. He was just trying to make Andy happy, and he had no morals to guide him. And that's a vehicle for a really, really fun film that is, I mean, emotional enough. Yeah, for the most part, this is just a dumb, fun summer film, and I think it succeeded in exactly what it wanted to do. And for that, I think I'm going to give Child's Play 2019 7.0 Kaslin products. I think that I have sympathy for Chucky in this movie because he kind of reminds me of my cat. Like the other day I came home, there was just the head of a bird on the front doorstep. And it was a really mean thing for our cat to do to rip the head off of a bird. Mm -hmm. But she was just trying to be nice. And she just doesn't have a lot of morals to guide her. And I think Chucky's kind of the same way. So I give new Mark Hamill Chucky. Child's Play is the name of the film. I give new Mark Hamill Chucky hmm. 6.2 decapitated head gifts. This was this was fun. This movie was really well done. It knew exactly what it was, where it came from. And I think that's very admirable. I, I don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. I had a lot of fun with this film. It was gory. It had heart in the right places. There were no big surprises, but it was fun. And it was a great update of a classic franchise. I thought I give Child's Play 2019 6.9 bottles of beer from the fridge. You are my buddy I don't like that song at all. I think this song is a lot of fun. It is. I stuck around for the whole thing. (laughs) And those are our thoughts on uh, Child's Play 2019, which is probably still in theaters, I'd imagine. So if you haven't seen it yet, get out of the house. I know it's nice outside, but go inside a cool theater and watch, uh, watch Child's Play. I think it's worth it. And if you have seen this movie already, I want to hear your thoughts about it. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Fright Day. Our DMs are open on Instagram, and you can like our pics while you're there. Uh, You could send an email, contact at FrightDay.com, or you can leave a comment below this episode in the show notes at FrightDay.com, which is a great place to uh, not only listen to our episodes, but you can read reviews. Maggie did a really, really great job covering Chicago's Cinepocalypse. A fantastic job. Great Uh, articles. She saw some really great stuff. She's smarter than we are, too. I know. It seems, I mean, it's very obvious when she writes things. It's difficult, but yes, uh, incredible. And she's not the only one. We've got a lot of great writers there. So go go to FrightDay.com. Check it out and uh, tell them Byron sent you. Always. I, w- I want to have a big discussion about this uh, film, especially with people who have a stronger love for the source material. I agree. Facebook.com slash group slash FrightDay is a great place for that. It's a great place for a lot of stuff. Agreed. New trailers, the funny memes about... Uh, basically, it's a great place for all the things. I would agree with that. And if you like collecting things, uh, specifically physical things, and you like our show and want to help us make it even better, grab something spooky at shop.frightday.com. We don't have tank tops, but you probably have scissors in your house. If you want to crop that thing, if you want to cut the sleeves Why off... Not? I was going to say, we don't have tank tops. We, we do have crops, though. Yeah, well... Do we? No. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think we're I, too lazy I to I cut that. things after you make them. But oh, yeah, God. do it yourself. DIY shop.frightday.com. Lots of great material for you to cut to make it. Uh, who am I kidding? They're not going outside. No. They're horror fans. Yep. That's okay, though. Just wear your shirts. And uh, we've got some for you there. We got pins, too. Join the Academy. Lots of stuff. I may keep breathing, but I'm going to stop talking. Don't be worried. But if you want to hear me. You can t- separate the two. This is 
Kelly. Patreon.com slash Fridays, a place where we are going to continue talking lots, and I mean it, of new stuff there and lots of stuff in the works. I mean, we've got shows like Captain Kelly's Cryptids and Conspiracies, Byron's Serial Corner. One Day at a Time. The Writer's Room, which is a roundtable discussion with the writers at Friday.com that I mentioned earlier. It's been a weird week. A conversation with Toast to Toast PM with Wine Kelly. We have too many shows. What yeah. happened? At what point did we have like a dozen spinoffs that all involved just us? This is crazy. It's pretty great. Uh, unfortunate for everybody. If you like that kind of stuff, patreon.com slash Fright Day is a great place for you to get that content. Or you could just give us some money and get those warm fuzzies. Those are valuable as well. Because when you support us there, you make more content more possible. Yeah. And we like doing that for you. I mean. I love it. It's because we love you guys. And a good amount of you already are, but I want to say a massive thank you to a new patron. This is Holly. Oh, hi, Holly. Hey, Holly. Thank you. What's up? Thanks so much for your support. It does mean a lot to us, but most helpful of all, you can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or however you listen to podcasts. And I'm serious about that because it really does help us get a ton. uh, Yeah. New ears. It opens them up to us and uh, we go up charts and that is important. I was actually looking. I think we're very popular in Bulgaria. It's great news. You're going to take a road trip. But I'd like to. uh, It's funny because different continent you could drive chitty chitty bang bang there hmm. just saying should, should we just go now yeah we've got a, a, a couple really packed weeks coming up not just the bigfoot stuff but we got midsummer next week ari aster's follow-up to hereditary until then where are you gonna be staying cool kelly you can find me being the coolest of cool hmm. at kelly fright down twitter or you can email me kelly at friday.com I am at Sam Friday. Email me, Sam at Friday.com. And I'm at Byron McCoy on Twitter and Instagram. Byron at Friday.com is my email address. Until next Friday, I'm Byron. I'm Kelly. And I'm Sam. trying to explain to my family the other day that I have the memory of like an extreme stoner, even though I don't smoke at all. It's all that franty you listen to. Could be. You think it's just residual auditory franty chords? Yeah. Could be. I mean, I could buy it, I suppose. You've been listening to an Audio Wool original produced by Byron McCoy. Theme music provided by Cemeteries. For more programs like this, visit audiowool.co.